Good morning, afternoon, and evening, Supercoach Elites. Welcome back to another Supercoach Elites podcast, proudly sponsored by the guys at exoticlimo.com.au. My name's Corey, and as always, alongside me is the Bombs Express. Choo choo! That's right, Corey, the Bombs Express is back. And oh, what a good podcast this will be. We're going to review the first half of JLT1 before we drop another podcast uh, tomorrow to review JLT2. Now, Corey, before you tell the listeners where they can find us on the social media uh, sort of platform, do you want to let them know what we've got installed for the second part of our JLT Round 1 recap? Well, so tonight we'll be covering from last Thursdays to Saturday night games, and tomorrow we'll finish off with the four, the Sunday through to um, last night's, uh, so the Monday evening game. And the reason that we've broken up, because we've got uh, someone very special jumping on our podcast tomorrow. Um, a lot of you will know him as Bev from the Bev Show, uh, a big Hobart Hurricanes fan, a lover of all things horse racing, especially Winks, and a massive Bulldogs fanatic. So we thought we'd get Bev to jump on and uh, review the Western Bulldogs and Gold Coast game with us as well and spend a little bit more time talking about the season that will be Western Bulldogs. So it's almost like a, a bit of a bonus, Doggies, um, <laughs> uh, pod, if you will, and especially with the fact that but, uh, I think they're going to be super, super coach relevant this year too. So we are looking forward to having um, someone with oh, almost the highest, I was going to say quality personality <laughs> there, there, but um, you know, someone as famous as the Bev, I reckon, to come on the, the pod and um, help us out. So I know you're looking forward to it, boss. I'll tell you what, we've done some pre-season changes to our Supercoach lineups this year, but probably the best change we've done is out Brett and in Bev, I reckon. Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been a different kind of season for us. It's been a pre-season, especially we've done some crossover yeah. pods, and and now we have uh, almost royalty uh, coming onto the show this week too. So we are looking forward to that. But we have to kick off with the first half of the JLT uh, bombs. Your your blue baggers got a nice little win over Essendon on uh, on Thursday night. How'd you go watching that? Oh, the result was absolutely irrelevant. I probably tuned out after the first sort of three quarters, because I'd seen enough by that stage. And, well, I mean, we all know who I'd seen enough from, Sam Walsh. I, t- I told the listeners, I, did, I, did I not tell them? There was no chance we could have run the year without him. I told them that he was already he's already uh, won the Rising Star Award. You can read all about how much I love him in the Bombs Bargains uh, sort of section on our um, website at www.supercoachelites.com. You can check out all our sort of pre-season content there. But boy, oh boy, Corey, mate, not even I thought he would put on a display like this. 28 touches and 102 super coach points in his first kind of competitive uh, outing. It was uh, very, very impressive. People marking him down for a 2021 Brownlow as well. and um, 2021? Well, Corey, where are they during 2019? Yeah, well, obviously he's not going to win the Brownlow <laughs> this year. So. Well, how do you know that? Oh, well, no, I don't. I shouldn't assume things anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, never issue. <laughs> uh, no, but like you said, an absolutely fantastic game from the young man. I, I think it was was it more than what you expected? I oh, mean, I know no. you've had big yeah. raps on him, but were you really expecting that from his first JLT performance? I was expecting, you know, 20, 22, and, and we'd, we'd see maybe 28 touches, I don't know, 10 games into his career or something like that, and he'd hover in the low 20s. But eighty oh, percent game time. He went at seventy-five percent disposal efficiency. Eleven of those touches were contested. 
They kicked two points in that as well. Imagine if he converted one or two of those as well. We could have seen almost a 120 from him. Um, we do understand that it's a JLT game, but he does a bit of everything. I don't know if you've seen most of the game, but he ran down Tip and Woody uh, during the last quarter as well. So, you know, never kind of never kind of gave up. And I think he uh, got Merritt down on a sort of a wing as well, and the umpire ripped him off and didn't even give him a hold in the ball there as well. So I actually reckon uh, with a few sort of things going his way, he probably could have scored a 120 or a 130 in that game. It was a solid performance. We'll talk about the man that he lined up next to as well um, in big Paddy Cripps, who 124, 33 disposals, 86% time on ground. They just looked like the perfect pairing in that midfield, and, and Walsh was exactly what they were waiting for. And, and I'll tell you now that if anyone had any doubt, and we haven't here all pre-season, about uh, Cripps' ability to kind of back up the huge numbers he posted last year, then that was erased, I, even though it was JLT. I'll tell you the thing about this, and being the first game with the new 6-6-6 lineup is, Paddy Cripps, uh, you know, when the when the centre square can get quite flooded, it can look kind of slow, he kind of gets tackled a lot and dish the handball out. But what you saw during that game was his ability to kind of get the ball and run defensive side to a little bit of space and being able to actually dispose of the ball a little bit more freely and under less pressure and, and gain a few more metres. And I think that's going to be a big thing for him and, and going to be one of the big reasons why he's going to increase his super coach average on last year. Yeah, I um, I think that we're in for a, an amazing year from him. Um, anyway, especially now after seeing what you've seen, you could start without him? No, and, and you know what? If Cripps only went out and scored 70, I'd still wouldn't remove him from my team because I don't like to read too much into the superstars of the game. During the JLT, I just like to kind of monitor the, uh, you know, the mid prices and the rookies and that sort of stuff. But they weren't holding back from just playing Crips in the midfield. There, they they were trying to just build some synergy with Crips and Walsh and all these other kind of players and Settlefield and and uh, Petrovsky, Seedon and Fisher. They just wanted to play as much time in the midfield as they can together so they can grow as a unit. So um, anyone kind of concerned about anything but. Crips uh, absolutely dominating. is probably a little bit foolish right now. Well, great little segue there for Setterfield too. What a game he played. He looked so good. I think we were a little bit worried coming back from the injury. I thought he might have taken a little bit longer than he did, but absolutely killed it. Yeah, he did. And look, one of the more, more impressive things was his ability to tackle. He laid eight tackles on the night. Nine out of his 17 possessions were contested as well. And he racked up 113 Supercoach points. Can you believe it? Um, again, like, um, what's his name, Sammy Walsh, he put two points on the board. So, you know, could we see, uh, you know, that kind of being a, a good number for him to hit multiple times throughout the season and really making us some coin? I don't think there was ever any doubt from us that at 144k we would be starting him, providing he was selected round one. And he seems to have recovered from that ACL injury um, uh, fine. And look, 73% game time, uh, he's ticked all boxes and... Look, even if they rested him next week, it wouldn't phase me too much, to be honest, as long as he can kind of get in the park round one. Two absolute locks right there. Um, let's have a chat about the one that we thought was going to be the lock of the midfielder, the 102-400. Um, I think this is the more interesting topic of conversation. Score of 68, nine disposals at 78%. When he kicked three goals from a memory, yeah. 81% mm -hmm. time on ground is great look. Great little super coach knock there. If it was starting round one, you'd be happy with that. You worried about the position? Did you play it at all? Yeah, look, uh, I, I am a bit concerned that it was a lot of forward pocket time. I, I think what's 
What's on our side, I think, though, is, and we'll see this during JLT too, whether Fasolo or not comes in and lines up. Because I think if Fasolo plays, all of a sudden that's a position in the forward line taken up, and maybe that pushes him through midfield rotations a little bit more. But look, at the end of the day, he's had nine possessions and three goals, and still, you know, scored just under seventy. So on, on a different on a different day, when it's not so much his day, kind of up forward. Um, you know, maybe he pushes up to the midfield a little bit just to get himself involved in the game a little bit more. So I wouldn't be expecting, and I don't think we have, uh, kind of, you know, thought he could come out and average like kind of like 90 for the season. Um, but I think this just kind of tempered expectations, probably in a good way for us. Season starts next week after what you watched on the weekend. Are you picking him? Probably, yeah. Yeah, just because we've, we've had a few other players sort of pop up who are a little bit more expensive. Um, in turn, like rookie kind of price players, and, and I'm sure we'll speak about them either the, today or, or kind of tomorrow. But I think 102k kind of rookie who's there round one is is invaluable. I think the worry though, the worry that I have is that uh, he, your your midfield group played so well, like together, like Cripps, Walsh, Zach Fisher. I thought was absolutely amazing. I thought Paddy Dowson done some really good things in there too. You've still got Mark Murphy, um, Kerno. I just, I really worry that if Gibbons is going to be that lockdown forward and Carlton are expecting better things, you know, out of him. But do we are we going to see more rotations from him? Do you think we're going to see maybe Gibbons go into the midfield for a couple of bounces and, and Cripps go up forward or a Walsh go up forward? Is that what we should expect from Gibbons? Oh, absolutely no doubt. At some stage, each one of those midfielders will kind of push through the forward line. And, and I think, look, there's, they've probably got four forwards that are probably like locked into the forward line that won't really play other positions. Um, Mackay, Kerno, McGovern and Fasolo. So there's two other positions kind of up for grabs. I think playing a fifth player as a permanent forward doesn't give you enough midfield rotations. So I think if he's selected, and those four players previously mentioned, I think he'll get enough kind of minutes through the midfield to certainly justify the selection. And look, he'll, he'll kind of get 15 to 20 touches, I think, on any given week and maybe snag a goal here or there. Yeah, yeah I don't mind it. Um, who else are we going to talk about from this game? Uh, Probably Nick Newman. Nick Newman, yeah. yeah. I um, had my piece of paper flipped over the wrong way. Um, <laughs> 97 um, off 80% time, 87% time on ground, 20 disposals at 75%, took kick-ins as well. He had two, which he played on for both of them. <sighs> Just when we didn't need any more headaches to be thrown up, another one was put out there. Clearly going to be the like, and we said it. We said it in the podcast. He was clearly going to get the number one choice at um, Docker's spot. Where do you see Nick Newman? Well, ex- probably exactly what he did. I'll tell you the most telling thing that I'd seen uh, on the football field that night was not so much just you know the general kind of sideways kicks that they kind of love to give him. In those twenty touches, he had seventeen kicks as well, by the way, which is super coach gold. Um, but just generally. His ability to kind of just kick the ball long and find targets. But what impressed me absolutely the most, now I don't know if you recall this kind of contest, but there was a contest where he was back and back, and so was Simo. And if that was any other player, they would have just pulled out and let Simo come and take that uh, intercept mark. He's called Simo out of that, and Simo was more than happy just to get out of his way and let him kind of take that intercept mark as well. I think that is a telltale sign that this club loved the ball in this bloke's hands. 
and they will kind of get the ball to him at any given opportunity. Um, do I think he's a top 10? No, I don't, I don't think so at the end of the day, but um, it, it, it's not going to surprise me how a lot of he was able to achieve those feet. I think when we selected him back in 2017 and he had that average of 82, whatever it was, we saw how much potential he had. I mean, he scored 150 in like his you know, fourth or fifth game or something like that. I don't know if you recall. I think you might have traded him out for that, didn't you? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> that might have been one of the things that derailed your season, I think. It was a, it was a late it in was, as well for that game. It and... was him or I cannot remember who else it was that I had yeah. to play out between the two. And Nick, Nick Newman gave me the cash to upgrade someone else. And then it, yeah, he was the late in and he dropped yeah. 126. Uh, 151. 151, yeah, 151. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 Uh, his, his kind of first uh, sort of jump onto the scene was really good. 73, 105, 80, 59, 151, 93, 72, 89, 104. And then after that, you know, he still scored 90, 88, 80. He, he can produce numbers. We know that. We know he can produce numbers. And in a team that's kind of really looking for some some more leadership down back a season Ted I, I think he presents as really good value um, and he's got a good history of not being injured as well uh, we'll save the question that I was going to ask because I was going to compare him to a couple of others for next week after sure. we get a, a large sample size of data but very impressive debut in the navy blue for Nicky Newman um, what does that do for Kate Simpson well, I mean, I think, look, Simo's probably never lit in a, uh, a pre-season game up. And I, and I think at the end of the day, he's still going to average kind of your mid-90s, um, to be honest. I think um, at the end of the day, you know, they'll kind of trust their veterans down there. And Simo's someone that is not only respected within the club, but respected universally, uh, universally I think. So, um, look, he only had 14 touches on the game. And, look, I don't think that. I can't even tell you the last time he probably had under 15 touches in, in a game of football, to be honest. So that was not representative of what we're going to see through Simpson this year. Uh, the ruck stocks, for those that are looking at Matty Cruiser, didn't play. But the other two done a bloody great job. Andrew Phillips, who played early, absolutely killed it. And then Loby, who come on late too, he was pretty impressive. Should the Cruiser owners be worried about potentially a two-ruckman system or even looking at the future at some stage for Carlton this year and maybe Cruiser sitting up forward? They can't. They can't. And, and look, you know why they can't? Because I rattled off that forward line before. Imagine a forward line of McKay, Kerno, McGovern, Fasolo and a resting Ruckman. They, they can't possibly do that, honestly. Um, they can't play the two rucks because McKay will back up Ruck. That's an absolute lock. Um, and I think if you've got a decision between Cruiser, Loeb, and Phillips, you're playing Cruiser, providing his fit. You think he's super coach stock still? I, I, I'm not confident in picking Cruiser, and I wouldn't do it, no. If you, if you think he's going to return to what happened two seasons back, then you're probably in a bit of a pipe dream. We spoke about it last week before we move on to Essendon, about Zach Fisher being a smoky. Yeah. What did you think from that game? Yeah, no, well... What I thought from that game was exactly what I've seen probably for the last 12 months from him. Just he, he continues to creep up those amount of possessions he gets. Um, he scored 93 from 26. He only went at 53% as well. So certainly a lot of room for improvement there. But him and Petrovsky seed, and particularly SPS's uh, first half, um, um, would not surprise me if 
one of them, if not both, were pushing for kind of top 12 forwards by the end of the season. Uh, is Petrucci Seaton a forward? They're both forward mids, yeah. I'm confident in that. I mean, have a, have a quick look, but I'm very confident yeah, in it. Yeah, he is. Holy He's a forward only. He's not even a mid. <laughs> yeah, they're very relevant. The both. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, and, and I think I said this in our Supercoach uh, admins chat the other day. There's a lot of stink about, uh, you remember when beams and sidebottom were available as forwards all those years ago? Now, admittedly, they're, they're kind of not that good and not, not that at that level. But uh, the kind of the, the twins from the same team, jeez, uh, it's, it's got potential if I knew there. Seaton, well, this shows how much research I do into Carlton's list. If I knew <laughs> Petrescu Seaton was a forward, he would have been my mid-pricer in that podcast, even ahead of Zach Fisher. I, I think um, you spoke about Fisher and I spoke about Petrescu. I think that's how we rolled it, didn't we? I not? probably wasn't listening. No, we both spoke about Fisher. You opened with Fisher and I had Fisher as mine. Gee, I felt like... Um, yeah, well, that was an oversight because I certainly knew he was. Uh, I certainly knew he was forward eligible. Okay, so and the reason I'm so excited right now, I was getting my next question, and this is putting you on the spot. I was going to say, who impressed, excited, or exceeded your expectations from the Carlton Football Club on Thursday night? No, without doubt, Sam Walsh. And mine was Patrice Seaton. Mm. Um, his first half, not so much his second half. Would you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. But he I think he was, off, yeah. I think he was kind of just taking a bit of a back seat. Um, I think he's going to have a huge year. Mm. No, I don't know, averaging 100 huge, but... You'd oh, certainly put him at at least 80, I would have thought. And I didn't even know he was 364k. Yeah, yeah. And and look, at price at an... I don't know what that was, kind of puts him as a... An, what 360 is for a price, but I think 80 off the top of my head, price is a, a kind of low 400s, um, or even up to mid 400s. So... He certainly got value in well, the pick. Of, he averaged sixty-seven point two last year. Yeah, that'll go up to eighty. I'm, I've got no doubt. At doubts least, about that. I think that could be yeah. higher. Yeah, it could, and I'm being conservative with that because when we speak, we've spoken about a lot of Carlton players, and we've probably spoken about a lot who we think are going to improve. But the reality is, is that there's only only so many. This third year, third year. This would be his fourth. Fourth. I think. fourth. Might be his third. I hope he has a crap game next week, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I really don't need to be thinking about Petrescu Seaton. Um, move on to the Bombers. Yeah, let's go. I think Andy McGrath was very good, especially... Well, I reckon he was pretty good through the whole contest. We have 635 metres gained or something. Defend mm. the mid, what do you score? 85. That could have been high, too. He stunk that ball. He turned over a fair few ones. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, Andy, uh, I, don't, I don't like the pick at all because we've seen this in a preseason from him before. And if that was a preseason game where we saw Smith, Zerat, uh, Shields, Aharak, if we saw all the kind of players who we expect to play midfield actually play midfield, and he produced that, then I'd be a lot more excited. But with such a depleted midfield, um, well, who the hell else was going to kind of get the ball for him? Even Tipper was getting the ball so much through the midfield during that game. So, no, I'm, I've certainly tempered expectations. Have a look at last season as well, because I'm pretty confident last season as well during the JLT. he done similar things as well, and people were like, ooh, let's have a look at McGraw, more midfield time. But there will come a time where he'll be inserted into the midfield um, on a sort of more permanent basis. Um, yeah, but that may happen a little bit more this year, but... Yeah, it's, it's nothing to kind of get me too excited about. One of those ones that you kind of just bookmark because when he does get in the midfield permanently, 
it'll most likely be halfway through a season. And yeah. one of those ones that we talk we talk about them every year, they can actually win you a league. Yeah. Um Josh Dunkley last year, prime example. Uh, Aaron Francis? I've got absolutely zero interest in something like that. I know he had a really big back end, and again, he kind of came out and continued with those intercept marks. Doesn't get a lot of ball, only had the 15 touches, um, but scored 85. So he's certainly got um, some good kind of super coach ability about him. But at the end of the day, uh, and we may touch on this during this podcast or in future podcasts, the array of mid-price defenders we have, there's a lot more I'd feel a lot more comfortable with than Aaron Francis. He will be super coach relevant, like super relevant, within the next two years. You reckon? Yeah. I think he can reach those heights. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely can. You know why? Because he's, uh, he reminds me so much of Sicily, the way he plays. Yeah. Um, interceptor, great with the ball when he gets it. Um, I don't think it'll be this year. I, no, sorry, maybe make that three years because I was just assuming that we were crossing <laughs> this year out, but hasn't actually started. Within the next three years, he'll be super, super coach relevant. And I mean, like, I reckon probably primo status. Good oh. thing about saying this in a JLT podcast and not in, a, like, an Essendon podcast is no one ever comes back to them as well, so. <laughs> it's well, I just might. We've got, we've got one week of me throwing stupid comments out there, but no one's ever going to listen to <laughs> Um, you're not, look, the big boys, Shield, who obviously went off injured, Smith, Zaharakis, they all took a bit of a back, oh, Zaharakis, Merritt as well, they all took a bit of a back step, thoughts, like Merritt had seven disposals in 36% game time, probably a little bit more than I thought he played, but he clearly wasn't in the midfield. What are yeah, your thoughts on the, on the pre-base? And that's why I'm not concerned, because when, when round one uh, kind of turns up, he's, he's not kind of playing anything near that role, he probably tries a little harder because he gives uh, a little bit more to the, the contest and the game and all the rest of it. So, you know, all of them, Smith, Zerit, um, Heppel, if any of those ones, Shield even. Shield actually looked pretty good the amount of times they kind of had him linking through plays. But I don't think Shield's ever going to be someone to average 110, to be honest. So I'd stay, I'd stay well clear of that one. But the other three that I kind of just mentioned, um, if you had them on your radar, please don't let this uh, kind of dishearten you because it's not reflective of what we're going to see throughout the year. Uh, big Joe Danaher, first mark of the game, first goal. <laughs> kind of just sat down there for a little bit. Not, I don't think they he was expecting too much. Fifty percent, fifty-six percent game time. Big Joe. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I hated it whenever you started speaking about him during the Essendon podcast and one of the other podcasts too. I, I won't go anywhere near that. I liked what I seen from the time. <laughs> Oh, the five touches he had in the three marks, that's, uh, that's probably got your... Uh... Look, I'll tell you what, go watch the first, what is it, 30 seconds of the game? 30 seconds, And yeah. then judge, judge your season off that, mate. You, 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 know, you know when that happened, because I'm a big fan of like betting first goal on like returning players and that, I was kicking myself why I didn't bet on Joe Dano for first goal. It was just a Mickey, wasn't it? Yeah, you just knew, like, you know when that happens that that was just going to be the story of the night. I'm thinking maybe a greenie in round one. Never <laughs> it was joke. Uh, all right, I won't stall anymore. Zachy Clark, is yeah. he our bench option? Well, I think he is, providing you've got the money kind of sitting there. Um, I think the hard thing to do with Zach Clark is not start him round one and see him kind of play at some point and then try to upgrade like a 102K or 117K Ruckman 
and find that extra 30 or 40 to upgrade him to. You don't really want to be doing that. So if it, if you're happy with him um, not playing round one and you know that if he gets games throughout the year, you're going to bring him in, I would say just buy him from the start. Oh, that's like 40K of valuable funds. Yeah, but see, most most teams will probably go with Fort as someone who might play during the year, and we'll, we'll get to Geelong at some point. But, um, you know, the 117 to, what's that, Clark, 142. If you can spare 25K to kind of do that. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sorry, yeah. 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 Well, no, I'd assume if Fort's not named, you'd, you'd think most people would just go the 102. Well, I don't know, but, I mean, I might do something a little different to that. I'm thinking of either starting Ford or Clark with the hope that one day they'll get a game and to use them as my loophole options in the early part of the season. Yep. Then once they get a game, I'm sure I'm going to have players missing kind of Correct. eight, ten rounds in where I can use them as loopholes a little and bit And I later. love that too. I mean, I spoke about it last year and I laughed at anyone who kind of remotely wanted to do that in any other position. I think the ruck department is almost the place that you can get away with it because if you're not picking him, you're still picking someone who's most likely not going to play anyway because right. um, we're not gifted them. I'd hate to see you doing that in a midfield or a forward or, or a defensive position and hope someone gets picked. Or yeah, Actually, I remember who I had this conversation with in the last preseason. We got into a pretty heated argument uh, on the Twitter <laughs> forum. Um oh. Oh, let's not go there. Then. Yeah, uh, but... Oh, I think I know who it is now, too. Okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think the ruck department could work, and Zach Clark is 100% playing at some stage this year. He was fantastic the other night. He yeah. was great, and he offered that option up forward. I, I don't think they're going to want to put Danaher, even though he did have a shot in there the other day, in the ruck too often too early. Yep. Um, and last year, we, we were shown by well, it's Tim English how valuable it is to have a that extra asset in the ruck. Yep. And, and those teams who did have him... Or Bretta. Bretta was a prime example. We were big on the loophole. Bretta went Tim English behind our backs last minute and <laughs> ended up winning the league. So... Hey, he's doing he's doing his whole team behind our backs this yeah, preseason. I don't know if you've looked that one. Yeah. You're, you're not a fact. <laughs> yeah, he actually hasn't started his super coach team. Uh, I don't believe a word. Uh, but yeah. Any sort of word that you get from Bretta <laughs> is something I'm not believing, put it that way. Yeah, you think he knows that it's coming back to you? He knows. He knows for sure it's getting mentioned on the pod. He's trying to keep McCray under wraps and all the rest of them. Still. He's getting too much airtime for someone who's not in here. He is. Hey, I think I think one of the good things as well is how bad sort of Sean McKernan was um, whilst he was on the field yeah. as well because potentially that opens up a, a double for kind of Clark and Bell Chambers um, to play within the same lineup. If you listen to the Essendon Presser sort of post-game as well, they're pretty happy when Zach Clark pushed forward as well and kind of spoke about how that could be important for them this year. So if someone like McKernan doesn't have any form, Zach Clark and Bell, we know Bell Chambers can play forward, certainly probably better than Zach Clark can. Maybe that will kind of be something they experiment with as well. Zach Clark, Ruck, Bell Chambers forward and McKernan out of the team. The big thing with Clark too um, is he's caught. He, it, it's not like he went out of the game and... You know, it's not like that Mumford situation where he was being out of the game wasn't doing anything. He was dominating, you yeah. know, in, in the Magoos and, and earned his spot back. And he he's, he looks hungry. Um, mm. And I think Essendon are a little bit hungry too. And I think that whole... That whole obviously not for the evidence that we seen on the weekend, but I think Essendon's going to have a good year. And I think I think Zach Clark's going to feature in that. And, he, and he's going to be uh, a vital cog to their puzzle. Um... Anything? Anyone else? 
Nah, I think I think we're pretty much done from this game. Man. I think we can move on. Jump across to the coasters and the cats. We'll start with West Coast Bonfire because there is one man that I want to talk about. My boy, my love child. <laughs> There's a couple of people out there in the community that are trying to claim Mr. Francis uh, Watson. That's disgusting. I tagged you in that in Twitter. I mentioned but he him. is mine. 123k, 900 defender. <laughs> I think he's been in my super coach team at some stage, probably for the last three years. 76 scored, looked great off the back half, had 17 disposals at 79%. Um, Insert the Watson, mate. What did you think of his game? Well, Corey, for all the... Uh, and I actually re-listened to our West Coast podcast just to specifically clear up what exactly we had said. And uh, I said one thing, that if anyone, and I mean anyone, tried to claim this bloke ahead of you, they were foolish because you've been talking about him for years and we've certainly seen something on display from him. My only concern is can he break into the best 22? I'll tell you one of the positives. They had 17 of their 22 premiership players playing in that game, and he still got onto the field for 79% game time and was able to contribute very, very well. Ten tackles on the game as well. And um, I know from your around-the-ground thing that you do uh, flawlessly kind of every year, that tackling is a big kind of thing in his game. Yep. It was, it was great to see the man... Yeah, just with a bit of ferocity about him, hunting the ball. He looked good. Put on a little bit of size too, um, believe it or not. It's a bit <laughs> on that last year as well. But I was super impressed with Francis Watson and cannot wait for his debut. And I couldn't care if he was even a mid-only. I'd still be p- selecting him this year. So we're lucky <laughs> we've got him as a defender. Um, put your money where your mouth is. Big Shannon Hearn, 111 bombs, jumped on, I think, six kickouts, played on for th- for um, three of them. I- another stat here, Lewis Jetta was the clubhouse reader- leader for kick-ins on the weekend with nine. Um, but Shannon Hearn, 111, 24 disposals at 95% disposal yeah. efficiency, 72% time on ground. He was one that was kind of on the tip of everyone's tongues when we got talk about the new kicking rule. The new kicking rule, I don't think it's had the positive impact that everyone would think it would have. But I thought Hearn's game was great. It looked no different to last year. Everyone except Bombs kind of knew that this kicking rule was a little bit overrated. <laughs> Anyways, um, look, you know what? You've got to be disappointed. I'll tell you what. You have 24 touches. You take nine marks, right? And you kick or you kick or you dispose of the ball at 95% and you only score 111. You better take a long hard look at yourself, Shannon Hearn, because that's not good enough. <laughs> now, nah, yeah, fair income. Yeah, because Shannon Hearn, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> you scored 111. <laughs> Well, we've got to blame somebody. I'll tell you what, you'd be taking that, though. You'd, well, be, you'd, you'd, probably, you'd probably, especially you, I know you're big at looking at underlying stats and crying to the cows come home about your players being ripped off. But yeah, um, right. I'll t- if you started round one with Shannon Hearn, he dropped 111, he's probably up there in yeah. the top 10 defenders. Oh, look, you'd certainly be happy, but you'd be a little bit pissed off that that wasn't a 130-type score. Yeah. Uh, keep talking for a second, because I want to go see how many teams Shannon Hearn is actually selected in at the moment. Yeah, well, I'm not sure what you want me to say about Shannon Hearn, because oh, clearly no, I don't have much positive to say about him. Hair or something? But look, well, well, look, he doesn't have much of that hair. Um, but I think 
the thing is with this kick-in stuff, and I kind of said it uh, all preseason. I think it's overrated. It doesn't equate um, more kick-ins to more points. I think it certainly translates if you're playing AFL fantasy. Not if you're playing Super Coach, because in Super Coach there's 3,300 points to give out on any given game, and more players that kind of just run out of the box and take kicks. Everything kind of balances out at the end of the day, if that makes sense, because it has to come to a total of 3,300. So it's not a direct correlation, more stats equals more points, because there's only a certain amount of points to kind of give out throughout the the game. And and that's kind of... Yeah, go. The other thing on top of that too is the amount of kick-ins that I watched on the weekend. If players were playing on, it was a long roost down the line to yeah. unpack. So a lot of the times they weren't effective yeah. kicks anyway. And what I would love to see, and we weren't able to monitor this because our, our kind of traditional sites where we can see you know, scores getting refreshed every so often, we weren't able to actually see how much points players were given for this kind of kicking thing. Like, if we're looking at this game and we're seeing, you know, players run out of the box and they're only getting one point or two points, we're certainly going to have a big reconsider, aren't we? Or even on some occasions, zero points. But all of a sudden, if we're kind of looking at this and they, they're getting six or seven, then certainly it becomes relevant. So, look, hopefully kind of, you know, the bugs on the internet and that sort of stuff uh, kind of clear itself out and we'll, we'll get a little bit more of those live updated Supercoach scores come JLT round two. But I think until we can kind of get that thing there, we can't conclusively say, um, yeah, whether or not the, the kick-ins are certainly going to play an impact. But, yeah, yeah, I don't think they will fix it. I remember last year we had the same problem. Um, but the other alarming stat, well, the man who took the most kick-ins on the weekend scored 58 Supercoach points. Yeah, well, there, there you go. Like, um, and he played, he played on for quite a few of them too. There's another one that I want to talk about later, um, but we'll get to that when we speak about... Oh, sorry. No, it's it's in um, tomorrow's podcast. So I might look up... I might, no, I might just bring it up now, just while we're on the, the kick-in factor. Um, young... Oh, Jesus Christ. Gold Coast Suns, the bloke took the, all the... Hey, kick out to okay. Murdoch. Young Murdoch. Yeah. He played on for six out of seven kick-ins, mm-hmm. and he scored 56. Yeah, I, I think this is the real curious thing. I, I, to me, I'm really curious about the play-by-play kind of Supercoach updates. Now, I'm going to try my best this weekend to kind of get my hands on that sort of, uh, sort of that sort of, some of that sort of stuff. Um, and if it means I kind of have to buy some sort of subscription, I'll do it to kind of give the uh, community the lowdown on it. But um, yeah, look, I said it all preseason. I don't think it's going to have an effect, and. Um, well, the stats kind of back me up at this point. Yep. All their points are probably from their kickouts. They probably just turned everything else over in the field. And <laughs> probably. Just undermining it. Uh, we gave Elliot Yo a bit of a whack. What did you think from his game? Yeah, Probably I think Elliot Yo kind of did what Elliot Yo will do on most weeks um, there as well. But look, I said it kind of right at the start. Primos, I don't take a hell of a lot from it because I don't think they're kind of fully invested because they kind of got bigger fish to fry come round one. Uh, Petrocelli probably wasn't ex- as exciting as we wanted him to be. Hopefully, we can get another look at him next week. Well, did, wasn't he the one that took that big run down the uh, down um, down the wing and into the forward line, and then kind of did a bit of a hat kick? And I think it was Oscar Allen that marked it and nailed a goal. Did you see that? And we spoke quick, about his pace. Quick we boy, spoke, yeah. Yeah, we spoke about his pace on the West Coast podcast, and I think we got to see that on on full display there. Oh, he's definitely quick. Um, uh, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Uh, can't, can't even remember who I was going to bring up. 
I literally Dom had Dom Sheet. Thank you very much. Sheed, I literally yeah. scrolled past him like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> um, 144, 39 disposals, 71% time on ground. Just tell the listeners why it's probably a smarter idea to pass on Dom Sheet at the yeah. moment. He's going to be the most asked about player. I'm telling you now, come round three or four, or even after round two, he'll average 120 in the first maybe even month of football. And the reason for that is there's no Andrew Gaff. Um, let me tell you now, though, uh, I don't think a full-time transition to the midfield um, and a score like that is on the agenda for him uh, on sort of most weeks. So this is JLT Trap 101. He's not going to finish the year categorically as a top 12 midfielder. So just please stay away. It's such a risk. It's... It's a bit of stupidity. It's not even a risk. I'll tell you what, though. It's one of those ones that someone will pick, it'll pay off, and then we'll hear all about it. Look, it might. And I'll tell you what, he'll, you mark my words, he'll be one of the most asked about players in the first couple of weeks when we drop the, the sort of the questions for the community, those sort of posts and that, because he'll start the year on fire. But he won't be able to sustain it. Uh, across to the Cats. Yeah, yeah, good team to talk about. I'm doing my write up. Yeah, yeah, doing my write up on him tomorrow. Beautiful, 144, 300. So much more than I expected from him. I remember yep. him coming through the draft, and there was really high rates of cats were wrapped when Jordan Clark got to them. Um, I didn't expect this this early. I don't know. I don't think. You. I don't think anyone did. But we kind of get those JLT rookie bolters uh, out of nowhere, and. He's that, and kind of after the Geelong game, he's made my way on my field in my defence. I found the money to kind of do it, and I don't think I'll be moving him come round one. That was my next question. Do you think he's a certainty for round one? Yeah, if you listen to Matty Knights after the game, who was the one that did their podcast, um, you know, some of his quotes, and I'm just reading from my article, which I'm posting tomorrow, but these are some of his quotes. He was super. He defended really well in the air. Some of his dash and leg speed off halfback was really exciting. A bit like Tim Kelly last year, um, from his first couple of sessions, when we seen him, we thought, well, hang on, we've got a young man who'll be pressing for round one. And I think if you're going to compare him to what you saw from Tim Kelly in his first year, um, on a half-back line that's kind of screaming out for some youth and a little bit of regeneration and some more pace, um, I'll tell you what, just have a look at his highlights package from the game, and you'll see enough to know that he's playing round one. I love it when you listen to the post-match press conferences. Yeah, I'll make a real conscious effort to do that every single week. Yeah, really, it's it's really good too. I think it's one of the best insights you can get in terms of uh, rookies, mid-prices, positioning and, and all that sort of stuff. I should start doing it. Before I absolutely blow a load over Charlie Constable, um, mm-hmm. let's talk about Menengola and Kelly. So Kelly went to the first set of bounds, but it was exactly... What I had predicted and exactly what I said, I remember there was so much hype over Tim Kelly about two weeks ago, a lot more than Menengala. Menengala, 76 super coach points off 50% time on ground, 18 disposals at 72%. Tim Kelly, 43 super coach points at 83% time on ground, 13 disposals at 61%. Is Menengala that far ahead of Tim Kelly? I think for us he is, um, because I think it's so much safer. We, we've spoken about at length on the potties about how he's never averaged underneath 99, and essentially never averaged underneath 100. I mean, those 99 averages were 99 point, you know, whatever it was. Um, I just think, the 
yeah, as as a forward, you've got a player who's averaged 100 flat over his career. You don't pass that up. It's it was funny because I wrote my article about Menengola and then obviously I went and wrote the one about Josh Dunkley and I kind of got myself on a bit of a Josh Dunkley hype train and I uh, just <laughs> I watched like just watching Menengola like Friday night I was just like yeah nah what am I thinking this was before I even seen scores just mm. he does the same thing every week like there's probably going to be seventies in there but there's going to be some huge scores he was super impressive. I probably I probably wouldn't mind for Menengola to miss the next game too. By the way, yeah. Let, let me tell you this: a seventy is if that's kind of the score you're outputting once or twice, three times a year as a forward, you absolutely take that because oh, you know 100%. we've spoken about key forwards or we've spoken about Bunny who's you know has the odd game of forty or fifty or Billings or you know even Heaney's kind of capable of that sort of thing. Any one of these forwards are capable of something pretty poor, but I think Menegola's poor is probably 10, 15 points higher than kind of the poor from some of the other poor yeah. line options. And I tell you what, if you're going poor for poor, like in a head-to-head matchup, those 10 to 15 points can help. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Every point helps. Yep. Hey, good comment. Um... Charlie Constable arguably was the most impressive cash cow that I'd seen over the weekend. I I can't see how he's not playing round one. We spoke about it in the Geelong podcast, especially he was probably the player I wrote most about last year in Round the Grounds, him and Dylan Clark. He is just AFL ready. Um, He's gone back. he, He had to spend his time in the twos, dominated there, but come back with a bigger frame. Just what I say is what one ninety three or one ninety five centimeters off the top of my head. Sorry, I don't have the prospectus in front of me, but the guy is built to be in the midfield. Probably get stints on the wing. Probably go play high, high half forward. But he will have runs through the guts. He'll come off the bench. I think Charlie Constable is a lock come round one. One ninety one centimeters. One ninety one. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, look, uh, and I know this is not someone that I've kind of flirted with as a rookie in my team, but. So JLT does. JLT changes their rookie lineups on their bench. So one of the first things, aside from Jordan Clark, and um, I did kind of after the Geelong game was uh, knock off one of these um, midfielders I have. Admittedly, his name was Tom North from Fremantle. Didn't even line up and uh, brought in Charlie Constable. How um, we'll give the listeners insight, in, a bit of insight to the bit of a banter train that was going on. I, <laughs> I was, uh, went out for a couple of drinks Friday night and. There's a group chat we're a part of, and someone else wrote something about Charlie Constable, and um, and I thought it was you saying that you said he was a lock and bagging everyone for not picking him yeah. in the team, but it was someone actually bagging you, yeah. um, and I got pretty defensive, didn't I? <laughs> Oh, well, defensive is a little bit of an understatement. You told me not to pick him. and Actually, no, it wasn't only him because I, I think I mentioned Witherden in the same kind of <laughs> sentence as well and you just got your back right up about all that sort of stuff. Um, no, nah, it was a, was a little funny. that you can't see, say on this podcast. No, we certainly can't. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, Charlie Constable. Yeah, it's another one of my boys, so I don't want to make this the podcast all about me, but I'm pretty glad that it is. Um, but Watson and Constable in the same podcast, yeah, can you believe? Probably won't be named round one either. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's when that podcast will be all about the boss. <laughs> Darcy Fort. Yeah. Uh, nah, ride him off. Get rid of him. What ride was him. that? Train him to Zach Clark. That's what I've done. Yeah, I've got same. Zach Clark sitting on my pine at the moment. And um, nah, ride him off. He's no good. 
<laughs> I know it's only one game, but no, he didn't do anything to kind of impress me at any given moment during that game. Be, that was it, though. This was his opportunity. They, yeah. they're, they're ruck stocks. Abbott, Stanley, Smith, and you've got you've got your chance, young man. Go and do something. Who, yeah. like, he done nothing. Well, admittedly, he probably played a little more forward than probably he would have, given Stanley's kind of yeah. role in the ruck, but... At the end of the day, I mean, you're coming up against Tom Hickey and Nathan Vardy, and your ruck, and your ruck line is um, Reece Stanley, who kind of got the equivalent hitouts as Hickey and Vardy, and you know Ford's probably the tallest out of all of them, and, and more the uh, sort of traditional type ruckman, and, and he was unable to kind of even win the hitouts. So um, no, I was, I was quite disappointed with his game, and uh, yeah, kind of gone right off the radar unless he comes out and absolutely blitzes JLT too. Oh, imagine that headache if that happens. Yeah, well, if that happens, he puts himself in line for round one, and if he's named round one, Zach Clark is, and I don't see how we run without him, to be I'm honest. I'm not sure if it was post-match uh, presser or pre-match presser. Someone said that Stanley was their number one ruckman at the moment. Actually, it was the day before. Yeah, it wasn't the post-match. Yeah, no, nah, it was the day before the actual game. They come out and said that Stanley was definitely there and one ruckman to begin the season. Yeah. Um, and I think, look, they've got Radigalia, who's um, probably going to be kind of ruck to um, for him, and, and the big hawk can um, kind of do some of the bustling in the forward line. Actually, I think that would be a good strategy from the Cats. Imagine Tom Hawkins in the ruck with this ability to grab it out of the ruck and just snap. I think, um, yeah. you know, because you can't really move him all, I think that might be a great strategy for the Cats this year. The man mountain. Um, Dangerfield, tick, tick, tick. Go lock him yep. in if you haven't already got him. Yep. Uh, percentage surely starts to rise. Duncan, tick, tick, tick. Oh, Mitch Duncan. Mitch Duncan. He, oh, actually, he's going to finish top 10. I think I had him I think I had him 10th in that crossover pod we did. Yeah. But, um, I'll just talk about myself a little bit more. But um, he, oh, man. <laughs> He probably impressed me the most. Yeah, well, look, he, he certainly put out a good game, but um, he's not doing anything to kind of suggest. I mean, I want to pick kind of my big four dogs uh, or big four midfielders as um, yeah, my kind of starters Tully, or potentially five. Duncan, <laughs> <laughs> or potentially my top five, depending on the structure I run, and, and Duncan kind of doesn't fit into that, but certainly might become an upgrade option. Um, the Cats unleashed another couple of debutants as well, or potential debutants. Tom Atkins scored 69 in the game from 88% game time and only 14 touches in that. He laid seven tackles. And um, Jiren or Brian, or whatever the hell you say that name, Myers, um, scored 54 um, from 87%. Um, seemed to get robbed a little bit there because he had 73 AFL fantasy. So, um, And his efficiency wasn't too bad. He, he was running at 72% with the ball, so I'm not sure what that's about, but yeah. Always a good kind of way to check things up too for these rookies is go check their AFL and their fantasy as well if you think they're a little bit hard done by. Sometimes mm. it can hurt. I know Brayshaw yeah. from Melbourne. That was a that's a funny one. Yeah. I fell, well. fell off my chair when I seen his Supercoach score after the game. <laughs> 111 from a 1,000 metres game. You reckon, yeah. you reckon Shannon Hurd's not doing enough for you? Well, I mean, Brayshaw might have to have an even harder look at himself. <laughs> we chat with him. Uh, is that it for yeah, yeah, Morf, the Catters? Saints. I'll tell you what, this was a better game than I thought it was going to be. I was super impressed with St. Kilda. We'll start with North on the Supercoach side of things. Um, and 
something else I want to talk about as well, Bombs. I mean, you know, we've been flying the flag um, lately for stooges on social media and mm-hmm. mental health awareness and everything. But mm-hmm. those clowns that wanted to jump on the Majak door photo last week, a man that's obviously gone through absolute hell um, in the last couple of years. And, and to see him at the game and see him back at the club with a smile on his face um, and you want to get your absolute... Almost. With one of his mate's kids, mind you. Yeah, yeah, you want to get one of the absolute heroes out on social media. Um, th- I think there was a couple of them that want to go out with comments, racial abuse, um, almost mental, mental health comments, things like that. You can keep your, you can keep your comments and shove them up your ass. And if we see one of them on our, one of our pages, you'll be removed straight away. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no room for this. Absolutely none, and and I'm and I'm I'm proud to kind of sort of run that as a stance for the page because that's absolutely necessary. And I'll tell you, I just said before, you know, I run the big dogs in the in the midfield or that sort of thing. But if you're one of these peanuts, you are the fucking true dogs of the world. I'll tell you that. Weak, 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 weak comments, and the fact that we've had a couple of them in a couple of weeks from you know the uh, a lot of our indigenous players and and these guys, you know, this is their job and their well being and. It's great being a you know a football player, and wouldn't we love to do it? But you don't know, the, you know the shoes and the troubles that they walk in in everyday life. And at the end of the day, they're humans, um, and they're out there giving their all too. And they do a lot for the community. And just keep your comments to yourself. There's no need they for do, it. They do more for the community than, than we would in our entire lifetime. Yeah. So, sure. look, let's jump back onto all things Supercoach, but Anyways, yeah. just wanted to get that out there because it was something that didn't really sit right with me when I seen it when it first popped up. Mm-hmm. Um, now, North, man, Jamie McMillan, have yourself a day of what? <laughs> yeah, play on. 36 Supercoach points. Let's keep it Supercoach relevant, shall we? Oh, 40 disposals at 90%. 88% time on ground. Yeah, this was a man who really raked the kick in. What, what what was that and where did it come from? I'll tell you, he wouldn't be able to do that if the game was kind of one-on-one or, or even one-on-zero. He wouldn't be able to produce those stats. Um, it just I'm giving it no thought whatsoever. Just one of these absolute donkey-type performances that kind of just come up in the preseason and uh, people all of a sudden start putting him on your radar. Get him the hell off. Imagine he has 40 next week. Well, all of a sudden, well, Bombs is actually quite flippant when it comes to this sort of thing. So next yeah. week, I might start looking at him. <laughs> I don't think, I can't remember. Well, Dom Sheed the other day, but man, where are these coming from? Like, what are these players doing? I don't know. Some, people, some players just try a little harder than others. I think it's six play-ons, though, to be honest, from half-back. So. Oh, well, gee, that, that equates to, what, 14, 1,400 of his points, something like that? Yeah, well, that's six, six disposals <laughs> where I was getting up. Um, yeah. Jason Pittard jumped at a couple of kickouts. No real relevance here. Who, Paula Hearn was an interesting one. Could have done this last year. That would have been mighty handy. 92 super coach points off 56 time on ground. Was it last year we had him or have him the year before? No, no, last year. Yeah, he was injured the year before, wasn't he? He, uh, he sort of came up mid-year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Hall, any f- news on that injury? No, well, all precautionary. Yep. It, was, it was kind of all precautionary. They didn't want to put him out there, but this is exactly why you don't pick him because this will happen... Uh, Going to virtually every game. Yeah, Taron Thomas, almost the LDU of last year. You think? Well, yeah, potentially. Um, but who was a little bit more impressive was Bailey Scott. I think mm, he was great. One hundred seventeen k. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's there's probably 
Yeah, sorry. There's probably one that was even more impressive. His name was LDU, and I know how much Luke you like this one. Davies Uniaki. <laughs> oh, mate. Rode the bloody wave last year, didn't I? That was hell. Um, yeah. How much size has this bloke put on? Yeah, no, he's a big unit, and he's a, his centre bounds attendances was absolutely through the roof. But if you have a look at Scott again, post match press up, very, very important. He said specifically the reason why they didn't play Cunnington and, you know, some of their other midfielders and played some of them out of position was to specifically allow players like LDU um, to kind of get some more time through the midfield just to kind of showcase um, what they have and uh, Jai Simkin and, and these sort of players. But when it comes to JLT too, have a look. When these players start playing uh, a little more in the positions we're going to see them playing in, what they're able to produce. All right, they put a full team out next week. LDU drops to 99 at 197k. What do you do? I, I'll tell you what I won't do. I won't be sideways trading Sam Walsh. Oh, not and, a chance. <laughs> and I'd find it very hard to find the funds to go up to him. Because I wouldn't be downgrading the Liberal Miles either to do it. Yeah. You don't understand how tempted I am to pick this guy because he <laughs> me last year. If that Walsh me, wasn't there, you probably would do makes it. Makes me want to pick players more. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you feel like you're going to be right. Yeah. Just <laughs> makes like, sense. I backed you and no one else did. <laughs> uh, Tommy Campbell getting reported, missing a week. Now, I don't understand for those who think that's a big impact of Todd Goldstein. Bumps? No, 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 no. no. These, these blokes are just... They're just, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too sure what's going on with them, but they certainly uh, probably don't have their head in the Supercoach game too much. I, I don't or even in the football game. Campbell's relevant towards... Nah, not at all. They, I mean, not... not... Let's have a look. They both played on the weekend, obviously not together, but 117 from Todd Goldstein, 62% game time. Didn't have a midfield he hits down to. I, I am super tempted by this guy. I'll, I'll tell you what, when uh, when Josh Bruce led the St Kilda hit outs, it kind of suggests that uh, St Kilda didn't have a Ruckman because Lewis Pierce, who, Lewis Pierce went down early. So I'm, I'm honestly, this Goldstein kind of scoring time on ground and all that sort of stuff does absolutely nothing for me because he played against no one. If you played against someone of note, then I'd be having a much harder look at him. But for me, this is a non-event. I've spoke, we spoke about this, the whole mental health thing around this too. I don't think I've seen him happier. Mm. I think he's in for a big year. I want to pick him so bad, but I don't know how I don't like. I don't know how I can possibly if I go on five forty eight. Yeah. I reckon I've almost got to find an extra hundred and sixty k and go to Gorn. Yeah, no, I think well, we'll speak about the D's when we get to the D's uh, tomorrow. But yeah, I won't be running top of Goldstein this year. I think. Yeah. Oh, come out next week and drop one fifty. Who do they play next week? I have no idea because I pay no attention to the fixtures. Oh, well, this week, I should say. It's yeah. Too hard to... Poor Adelaide. So he's rocking against no one. Yeah. So, again, so people won't get sucked into this. It's going to be interesting. Always fun. Uh, I think that was it for the super yeah. relevant. Oh, Nick Larkin didn't really do too much, but yeah. Uh, and Ben Mackay as well didn't impress me a great deal. And I think with uh, Thompson and um, Taron and that sort of coming back at some point, that he might get a debut early on, but he might be relatively quickly out of that team. Did we hear any news about Lewis Pierce? Like, what happened? I've got, um, well, I, I, I honestly just don't know. I mean, the fan footy kind of gives you the indication that it was concussion. Um, so I'd imagine that he'd kind of play next week or, or JLT too. But so he's certainly interesting given he, he got the nod ahead of um, 
Billy Longer. Um, as long so, as too, for the start of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. So what it's interesting happen? because we speak about, you know, Ruck 2, Ruck 3. It's probably just a little bit too highly priced, I would have thought. Um, Pierce, he sits at 235. It's, it's probably 100k more than what we, what we, well, not probably, it is 100k more than what we'd spend on a Zach Clark. But man, if you're really stumped and you don't know kind of what to do when Pierce and Clark are playing round one, you could honestly just go cheap in your rucks and just go, you know, either Pierce or Clark at ruck two and the other one on the pine for a little bit. Who who would they be rucking if, say, hypothetically, Pierce went down for a longer term? Like, the next guy on their list is Sam Alabarkas. Yeah, and I I don't know. I don't know. I honestly, I've got no idea. That'd be carnage. Um, Matty Parker, 61, yep. 7 disposals, 85, 81% time on the ground. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, did enough. And listening to Richo in, in the post-match presser, he was uh, he was impressed with him. Um, he was impressed with his ability to kind of just his work rate. He hit the scoreboard. He'd done everything he needed to do. I think we're definitely going to see him round one. You want to see one of the most bizarre outside the centre square articles you're going to see during this season? Jack Billings, 437k. He scored 100, 20 disposal at 80%, which is, you know, pretty good for his standard after what we've watched him kick at for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Bit more midfield time this week. Kick two snags too. You mo- getting a little bit on the Jack Billings hype train? The most important thing you did in this podcast, and you didn't even do this intentionally, was mention Parker and Billings one after the other. Because if you listen to Richo, one relates to the other. He was that impressed with Parker... He specifically stated that if Parker is able to kind of produce that pressure and kind of play that role, that it releases players like Billings into the midfield. We've been calling for this. We know Billings needs to play midfield minutes. If Parker can produce that role, this is straight from the coach's mouth, it could mean Billings could be in for a big year here. Can you oh, like, put that in quotation marks and just go put it in the article when you get a chance as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post a link to the uh, presser for you and you can oh, kind of do that bit yourself. Yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, and, and I think that's going to be the most important thing when it comes to billing. So I'm not going to bag anyone who wants to run this pick. I, I'm not ballsy enough to do it personally um, because I'm going to run just three big dogs uh, up front. And, um, yeah, I don't consider billings a big dog. But... Uh, Oh, I, it would not surprise me round eight, run not round nine comes, and I'm looking for a forward grade option, and I'm turning to Jack Billings as the, as the answer. Toby Green is named next week. No. Round Thanks. one, Green or Billings? Billings. Ooh. I hate Green so much. On you probably could have said Joe Dunner, and I probably would have picked Dunner ahead of Green. I'm I'm so anti Green. Why? I just, I mean, you can read all about it in my uh, in the Bob's Bargain Buys, but essentially the amount of tons he scores, the amount of times he gets injured, just every, yeah, just everything like that. Just for me, he's not even in contention for kind of a top ten finish as well. I just think why pay three fifty if you're not going to kind of get some sort of result from him? Yeah, you might make eighty k, but. You're just burning a trade on him to get into someone else. You may as well spend the eighty now and get Billings, who's half a chance to go top ten. I agree with you, but I love and like I love. He's one of my favourite players, Toby Green, as well. But until I see it, from, I'm not picking him. Um, I tell you what, I was impressed with Hunter Clark. I know he's a little bit more like he's very expensive, but I thought through that midfield he was really, really good. Um, not going to pick him, but let's have a chat about the man that I do have in my team at the moment. That's Dylan Robinson. 
297, mm-hmm. 500 defender, 103. Didn't he look like Dylan Robin of two years ago? And what what did what did I say on the crossover pod? I called him top six. You did. You did. I t- I'll tell you, there's a lot more peanuts now that probably think he's top six like I do. Um, he's sitting in my team, and I don't see how he, he moves out of that side. I mean, 21 touches, 17 of them kicks. He ran at 90. percent um, I mean, good numbers. Good numbers. You, you talked me into him probably just after that crossover <laughs> pod. I'm not even yeah. joking. I'm not a word of a lawyer. Yeah. You, you, you mm. started around I've done a little bit more research, and 100% you talked me into him. Has not moved from my team since. Yep, and uh, you'd be pretty impressed with the JLT because that kind of just consolidates that sort of stuff. 100%. He could score 40 next week, I reckon. And it's still he might, but that would be okay because uh, a lot of teams would jump off, and I'd be more than happy to take the risk on him. That was out of out of all the mid-price defenders. He impressed me the most. Mm, Brody Smith, I think, kind of challenges for that, but he certainly makes sense at a D forward as Robertson. I liked Robertson's game a little bit better than I liked Brody Smith's game. Brody yeah. Smith meters gained. Have we got the Adelaide in this one? Yeah, yeah next. Team's next. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait to talk about Brody Smith and the Warrior lead. <laughs> um, all right, stick around for five minutes, listeners, and we'll get to that. Um, if they've made it through the first hour and a half here, Jesus. Uh, it's gone a little bit more than we expected. Nicky Hines. Yeah, and, and again, yep, yeah, an, another one where uh, Richo after the game said he was really happy with Hind. We know he didn't get you know a hell of a lot of ball, but he kind of made a note that his first half was a lot better than his second half. And look, he played fifty eight percent game time, so he didn't play a great deal through the second half. Um, so yeah, I think we're we're probably likely to see him kind of line up. Uh, certainly at some point, uh, but is every chance for round one too. I thought he was really good. Yes. Just from what we had in there as well. Shane Savage on kickouts too. I forgot to mention that before. He was all right, but I'd much rather rob it in. Um, Jackie Steele is on the kind of the hot Supercoach hype train. Finished the year like a bloody house on fire. Good chance to finish in my last outside the centre square pod next week if he has another good game. But... Uh, what do you think of Jack Steele? It's a no from me, and I'm just going to keep that one short. Yeah, I think he's he's becoming a a very good player. Look, the one thing you'll get from him is contested numbers and tackles. He'll always do that. His disposal efficiency isn't always great. It was good on the weekend. And his ability to kind of get 30 touches isn't where it needs to be kind of for a premium midfielder at this stage. So he ticks half the boxes, but he doesn't tick enough of them for me to select him to start the year. All right. We'll jump across to the next game. Yep. Uh, Showdown. Port Adelaide and Adelaide. This was a a game. This was a good game. Yeah. Ryan Burton, I thought, was good from the back, but not really super coach relevant. Port Adelaide have pissed me off a little bit, too, by not giving Matty Broadbent the game that I really wanted to see because I don't know if I'm going to be comfortable making a decision off one super coach uh, output, I can mm-hmm. probably say. Connor Rosie, who I thought was probably going to be the most impressive of the early debutons, wasn't as impressive as the others. Your thoughts? That's right. No, something I totally agree with. And I did the write-up last week on Rosie, Butters, and Dersma. Yep. Now, you can take, you should have taken screenshots last week in case you accuse me of editing all this stuff. But I can assure you I've not edited it. And I said Butters was the one we needed to be watching. Again, this all kind of stems from, you know, some pre-season 
uh, you know, press conference stuff where I heard about Michael Voss talking and all this sort of stuff. I said he needs to be the one that you need to watch. He's the one most likely to get named in round one. He will be named in round one. Don't you worry about that. The only thing I didn't like about him on the weekend was his super coach score of 91. 25 touches at 72%, five marks, four tackles. Oh, man, this dude is class. Um, there's, I, I can't see how I'm going to start without him, to be honest. He's sitting there just behind. Uh, I've kind of got Walsh and Butters on field at the moment, um, and I don't see how I remove him, to be honest. He did that from 70% game time, dude. He's he's a he's a good he's a good kid this one um, and someone that I'm really really excited about. It was one early days I didn't think would get a go, um, but he, he's come a he's come a long way from See, that draft last year. I think he's the one, and I spoke about this in my article that most is most likely to recreate what they lose through Chad Wingard. Oh, he's, he's locked he's, in now. His ability to send the ball forward, to kind of play as a small forward even, his pace, his ability on the outside, everything kind of wrapped in as one. He is everything they lost in Chad Wingard. Yeah. Nah, I love it. Um, let's talk about Dersma. Yeah, obviously not as impressive given his score. Um, again, didn't play a whole lot of game time, but neither did really any of the kind of the new guys that came in. I think Drew was, well, Butters played right on 70. Drew but, was awesome. And, yeah, and Drew played 72% as well. So, look, I, th- I think, and I spoke about this in the, in the Port sort of article I wrote up last week, I think all four of those players, Dersma, Rosie, Drew, um, and Butters, they're all going to get games. It's a matter of how many of them you can play at one point. They can't play all four on any given week, I don't think. That makes them far too young and inexperienced. I think I honestly think it's Butters and Drew coming into that team round one. Yep. Um, and I also think that Dersma's half a chance. I, I don't think we're going to see Rosie. No, I think Rosie needs to go back and real because they want Rosie to play off the halfback flank. I think. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Good. Good. Dersma, you mean? Uh, no, R- Rosie as well. I think they want them both mm. there. Um, yeah. Rosie's probably more versatile and can do both, but. Um, yeah, I think Dersma's that's kind of his only position at the moment. But And that's and that's the area of the field that they really kind of excel in. I mean, you just have a look at the players. I mean, Broadbent obviously didn't get a game, but you've got Broadbent, there's kind of Dougal Howard who really good intercept play. You've got Darcy Pern Jones. You've obviously got your key kind of posts like Jonas and Cleary. You've got Dersma, Rosie all of a sudden. They brought in Sam Mays. Um, Leonard, yeah, like you've just said, they've got Burden who have just traded in. Houston plays off that butt, uh, back flank as well. They have such an array of options um, for that position that maybe they just give those guys uh, for that those kind of early draft picks a little bit of time to kind of just get into the club and get into the swing of things. Tom Rockliffe done everyone a favour who was somehow looking at him. Just said, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Um, I think if you're looking at Robbie Gray, I wouldn't buy too much into this game. No. I, I think knowing JLT, you knew where he was going to go stand and play and, and whatnot. Um, I think the same with Westhoff as well. I mean, I don't think... I'm not defending him, and you know yeah. I'm a big hater of him, but if you were one of those people looking at him, it's not one of those ones that I would think... Oh, uh, you know, you, you got to pick him. Did Ryder come back out on the ground? I can't even remember when he got injured. I remember he went down. Yeah, no, I don't think that's a risk for them. Yeah. Is any news on him? No. 
not takes, not. takes one of those twin towers to come back before, and then Westhoff's probably super relevant again. Like, like when yeah. to go down, sorry, is uh, the what better statement. Yeah. Um, hey, go back to Robbie Gray for a second. Yeah. The bloke had nine touches, seven of them handballs, didn't kick a goal, and he scored 55. <laughs> He's always done that. So, and, and get a load of this. He had nine disposals, but ten contested possessions. He's so good. <laughs> So he must have got a hand in somewhere, and, and you know, for a tap on or something like that. That you know, because all that stuff gets counted as a possession. Not sure if the super coach community knows that, but it does. That's how a possession. That's why possessions are generally. If you have a look at possession and um, disposals, yep, yep, generally possessions are higher because they count tap ons and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's it from Port. No, William Drew. We are going to oh, William Drew. Yeah, sorry, time yeah, because cool. you were big on the other three. I was massive on William Drew. Those flowing red locks that were out on that ground looked absolutely <laughs> terrific in the teal uniform. Um, I seriously think he's a, a big contender for a round one debut. I think he'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, and he's currently sitting in my team. And I think we need him. I think we're starved of players who we can be confident in, in the forward line, um, just to get games and get them consistently. And I feel a lot more comfortable when Drew is kind of sitting on field there after. I was going to say, that on-field that on starter too, I think, for round one. Yep, me too. Yep. All right, let's go to the Crows. Um, start off with your boy, Smith. I was super impressed with him. 27 disposals. Was he one of the ones that had 10 in the first quarter? Is that correct? I think so. Yeah, and was just absolutely launching off halfback, was taking kickouts where he, where he, whenever he could. Um, Rory Laird had 28 as well. Adelaide is so dominant there. Like, it's crazy. You know the one thing that I noticed, Bumps? Whenever there was, was a short kick, it was almost always to Rory Laird too. Like, from that defensive, they wanted the ball. It was either a short kick to Rory Laird or it was a short kick to Brody Smith, and then let's leave defence. If mm-hmm. Brody Smith wasn't on the kick out, mm-hmm. um, that's how we're getting out of defence. And it was just, I think you can be so confident in running both these two in the season. Um, uh, the first, one of the other things I did um, to my team was uh, bring Brody Smith in. I've, I've canned the third primo defender and I've elected to go for another mid-priced option in Brody Smith. Could you, could, and these questions are coming up, but could you bypass lead for now for Brody Smith? I I feel like your team's going to be a lot a too mid-priced if you do that. I don't want to see teams run one primo and three or four mid-prices. Max it at two. Just go two primos and two mid-prices. Is Rory Laird too expensive for no. the amount of ball Brody Smith's going to take? No. No. 28 disposals. Again, the guy's so good. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, no, Laird's, Laird will do Laird things. I don't think uh, Brody Smith has a negative impact on that. Laird's very good at kind of getting around the ground, uh, linking up through wings and kind of even, you know, you've got a stoppage on a wing or a half-forward flank even. Laird's kind of good at being that release handball out the back and kind of getting possessions like that too. So Laird doesn't play predominantly uh, in defence, but he kind of does with the structure of football today and where the ball's kind of situated. So he's not situated in defence, but he's in a defensive position because he's not necessarily a midfielder when the ball's being thrown up. I don't know if I've just confused you, but I know what I mean. Uh, I, get, I, I was getting the gist of it. 
Yeah, yeah. So a lead will continue to get enough ball, and I think Whitfield's the non-negotiable in, in the back line there in terms of a primo as well. So, I know yeah. their games. Actually, no, it's, it's next. It's the GWS game. Is that Was that on Saturday night? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. We're going to talk about that. GWS one's next. Yeah, it's been a long potty. Um, all right, we'll move on. Brad and Matt Crouch. Ah, Jesus. Brad Crouch is going to tempt the hell out of some players or some super coaches, isn't he? Um, I can't, I can't possibly do it um, because there's Libba and because there's Miles, and you know Crouch is kind of that you know next level above just in terms of price because he sits at four hundred and eighteen k. But his history, I mean, there's no doubt out of all three of those kind of players I just mentioned, Brad Crouch has the highest ceiling and the best potential to average the most. I've got no doubt about that. But his ability just to stay on the park. Me negates that far too much to warrant me selecting him. It's also an extra hundred k. Yeah, I'd comfortably pay that, knowing I'm going to get more points, more value for money. Um, you know, potentially someone who could even be a top twelve. I mean, the guy's got all the potential in the world. This guy here, um, and let's not forget, we're speaking about a bloke who's averaged, you know, only mid nineties uh, at an absolute best in his career. Um, so please be mindful. Um, when thinking about that and the fact that he's only ever played more than 14 games on one occasion in his career. So there's too many negatives there to warrant selecting him, but, man, he's got potential. You know, one thing I did notice with this 6-6-6 rule that's going on, Mm -hmm. players who are contested beasts are going to have a field day because there was a lot of the time where the the rolling malls were coming into the midfield, parks were running in, players were running past to receive handballs. Um, yeah. I noticed the first time I noticed it was Thursday night when there was a play early on where Petrescu Seaton got the ball out of the pack and his natural instinct was to turn, run backwards towards defence and look for a handball. He's yeah. turned, he's turned backwards and there is no one running past him. He's then gone, done a full U-turn and kicked the ball forward. I think you are going to see a lot of contested players, players like Lockie Neal, Brad Crouch, um, Cripper, that are going to get the ball and they're going to have a lot more time and space than they previously had to get the ball turned and instead of handballing it, kicking it and having inside 50s. And it makes slower players a lot more relevant now. Yeah, oh, and, and the skillful players. I was actually having a talk to someone who isn't um, an avid football watcher and we're talking about the 6-6 six, six, six rule. I think it's going to up the skills dramatically. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, yeah, instead of you running, gunning players, kicking the ball all the time, I think you have a lot more more skillful players on the ball too. So, yeah, I, and it increases inside 50s. It increases score involvement. It does all good things for super coach points. Uh, Matt, I, th- I think Matt Crouch is going to have a really good year, a real consistent year. Yeah, he like will. Those kind of things, that, like a real, probably a, Oliver, but not quite to that level. Hey, barring injury, what will his low score be this year? Matt Crouch? Yeah. Oh, I think he's still capable of a 70 to 80. I think there, there, there can be that in there. I, I would have liked to have said, you know, like an 85, 90. Um, but I think there is there's still be a couple of games in there. I think you'll see... Probably 13, maybe a bit more, 13 or 14 plus 100 games. Yeah, see, I'm going to say something a bit outlandish. I'm going to say we're going to see at least 1,500s, but of those 1,500s, we're only going to see five above 110. Yeah, he's going to, he's so just, between that 100 to 110. 
He's going to be 100 to 110 every week. What almost do you think his every week. score's going to be? Uh, Mid-90s, you know, barring injury. Yeah, I wanted honestly, to say that. But yeah, mid-90s, I reckon. I, try, I refrain myself. Matt, Matt, you know I've been massive on Matt Crouch this whole yeah. season. Um, hey, and two years ago, Brett was going to pick him. Remember? Yeah, still waiting for that. <laughs> you might pick him this year. Yeah. Maybe that's his secret move. Yeah, he comes in, wins the league with Matt Crouch. <laughs> uh, for those that are looking at Rory Sloan, should they like what they see? 28 disposal, but for only 88 super coach points? Yeah, they should like that because it should discourage them from picking him and making a huge mistake. I, I seriously think Matt Crouch is such a better pick than Rory Sloan. Heaps better. Yeah. Uh, Riley yes. O'Brien was a ride in the ruck from the short time. Man, 46% game time. I thought he played less than that. Okay. They um, played Arby's with Jacobs, but um, no, I don't think they did anything else relevant, the young pros. No. There was no real young close. I, think, I thought Lockie Murphy was a ride, but like, not super coach relevant. Yeah. Uh, move on. They didn't give, sorry, they didn't give McHenry a, a run either, or McAdam as yeah. well, who's uh, obviously they've featured in a few teams this preseason, so might be time to trade them out. McHenry will play this year. He will, but he probably won't play round one because he's not lining up JLT one. Just scrolling through the names, looking at the players that they could have played. Probably, I reckon I would have played McHenry above. Oh, Chase Jones played. Um, but yeah. I think it's relevant. Yep. Uh, what's what's the last game? Sydney GWS. GWS. We'll start. Look, we'll start with the Swans and we'll start with Lloyd. Yeah, they took two kick-ins. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is one you know remember when the kick-in rule first started discussion and people were like oh we're going to see at least 10 to 15 points increase on Maddie on uh, Lloyd if he played Matt Lloyd <laughs> sorry I was just all over the chop shot there Lloyd's never taken a kick in his career Matty um, <laughs> on Jake Lloyd um, yeah. you know everyone's talking about the 10 to 15 points that we're going to increase and blah 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 Mate, he took two kick-ins on the weekend and didn't look any more interested to just turn to the side, kick it, and then Sydney come down the wing. I think he's going to take significantly less kick-outs this year because you had players like uh, Cunningham went to the ball to just roost it long. Um, I think Mills is obviously going to take a couple as well. Um, Zach Jones, we spoke about him when he's back. Sydney are either going to be run a gun or they're going to get the ball quickly and just chip it out and keep going. I think I don't think Jake Lloyd's going to be the real kicking taker for Sydney this year, and even when he does, I can't see him running out and using that launch pad too much. Yeah, and we saw Jackson Thurlow. Um, Thurlow, that was the one. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's all right. Hey, I had your spready open here. You did a lot of work. You know? Thank you very much. You'd think that maybe I'd use it for the podcast, but... Well, you think you would. So anyone not knowing what we're talking about, Corey's put together a beautiful spreadsheet of every kick-in taken, who took them, um, how many of them they played on for, and all that sort of thing. So just head to www.supercoachelites.com. Have a look in the preseason. Enter the stats lab and you'll find the JLT kind of kick-in section there. So have a look at all those tables there because everything's done very, very thoroughly. Oh, how except to be absolute muck-up on my name when I wrote Tumpus down instead of Salem. Tumpus who doesn't even play in the bloody um, Melbourne lineup yeah. <laughs> anymore. So, yeah, no, you can get that. We can get that rectified, I'm sure. I did. I changed yeah, it straight away. It was an absolute meh. Oh, um, we didn't need to inform the community of that then, just. Yeah. Pretty much uh, told you're an idiot. Nah, well, look, 
own up when you make a mistake. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Isaac Heaney. Anyways, yep. Oh, no. Well, he had any doubts before. You don't have any doubts now. Um, he did that with uh, five blatant errors as well. Um, so, you know, that's not going to happen an awful amount uh, during the season. He only went at 66%, only 72% game time and, and produced that. Let me just touch on Lloyd as well. Lloyd had 24 touches from 65% game time as well. That's probably pretty important to note too. What Lloyd score? Probably should check. Only 75. Yeah, scored 99 in, in fantasy. So one of those games where you just score more fantasy than um, than uh, super coach, yeah. and that happens. Um, he took nine marks in that as well. So, um, but look, I mean, he plays 80, 85 percent game time. All of a sudden, that's kind of like a hundred score. So you're not too disappointed with that. But no, again, I mean, definitely be taking that. Yeah, the, the primos kind of just they they'll show up round one. You don't need to worry about that. The funny, the funny thing that you notice, or the one thing that I noticed a lot of the, about those um, premium kind of defenders that we're all looking at, is they obviously sat in. A lot of them sat in kind of that second gear, but they were still the players that they're looking to get the ball to. Mm-hmm. Like they are still the ball users. Uh, every time Whitfield ran behind the ball, it was just like, all right, here's the ball. Can you kick it? You know, mm-hmm. or Zach Williams, or he's sure launching it out. Like, and it's the same with Lloyd. It's all right. What's our game plan? Same as last year. Let's get the ball to Lloyd and let's watch him kick it out because he's going to hit a target. He was, he was good without being super impressive too. You don't yeah. have him at the moment, do you? Jake Lloyd. Yeah. No. Neither do I. Um, no. Yeah. And the, and the reason for that is because of Brody Smith and, and Robert and and I prefer Whitfield and Laird at this stage. Uh, yeah, and I was the same. And with it, and, and I don't like the price tag. Mm. Um, it's too much, but... Yeah, uh, Nick Blakey took a nice overhead mark, but... That was about it. Yeah, a little disappointed um, with, with that output. So, 166. Obviously, if that's reflective of what we're going to see through the year, that's, that's too much, and I'd rather spend 123 for a bloke that's going to do just as much, if not more. They had the, uh, Toby Pink and James Rose that didn't really... Uh, Rose only played tops in game time, Paul Bagger, but um, Toby Pink, who yeah, didn't really set the world on fire at that low price either. Yep, and Road Bottom as well. Road Bottom, 30%. Man, what did... One of these players get injured? I don't believe so. Yeah, I, I think that's because you, could, you could play... Yeah, because your bench, you can play as many players as you want. Yeah. I think you can play 26 players, but... Or something like that. Um, so, you know, teams would just be running a bench of, you know, say, for instance, I don't know, 24. And then they kind of introduce a couple of players as like a sub-type rule later in the game. All right. Jump across. Uh, look. Isaac Cumming. The Cum Express. The Cum Express. <laughs> 49 of 39% game time. Oh, my God. disposals at 85%. Hey, uh... He scored quickly, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> oh, I hope this guy gets the name round one. Yeah, I'm picking him. I'm picking him. I'm, I'm tearing down the foundations uh, to upgrade him to the Cummings Express. He's getting name round one, that's for sure. Uh, 
Um, he's a little more pricey than um, some of the other defenders, but yeah. purely based on the nickname that, gotta, that you dubbed during the GWS podcast. you got to pay for quality sometimes. You, for you, can, yeah, <laughs> you just have to do it at 173. That's it. Uh, Heater Shaw, warning black the clock, 128 supercoach points. 100% he went at. Yeah. Um, I couldn't possibly do it. Oh, he's one of those ones that would not surprise me if he finished top six. Yeah. And you know what? We'll we'll pay a little bit more from him and we'll trade up to him, but we won't start the year with him. Yeah, Lucky Whitfield looks super good. Again, uh, 23 disposals at 82% efficiency in second gear, mind you. He's class, this kid. He's such a good footballer. There's not a worry in the world. Oh. Now, the one that you said before, Brody Smith impressed you the most. The one who impressed me the most was Zach Williams. 53% gain time, 82 super coach points, 28-85%. He's going to get, at least I reckon, anywhere probably between two to four cheap kickouts a game as well, or cheap disposals mm. through kickouts, and they're all play on, and let's put that ball on. Mm. I really he's, like Zach Williams. Oh, he's interesting because he fits right into that conversation of Robertson, Smith, and, um, and Williams. And it's kind of, you know, teams will pick one. I think a lot of teams are going to pick two. And very few teams will pick three. Um, it's just a matter of whether you've got the money to spend kind of that extra hundred difference there is between Robert and and, um, and Smith. To me, the 100K doesn't seem worth it because I feel like I'm going to be trading or upgrading him at some point anyways. So I might just pocket that 100 for now. But, um, yeah, look, 20 touches. I mean, how many times is he honestly, though, going to... Look, 20 touches in half, in 50% game time. He was on track for, what, 30? I mean, I don't think that's reflective of most weeks he's going to play anyways. He might have those weeks here and there where he goes 120. Um, but he's also got the injury history behind him too. So uh, I'm, I'm more conservative on this one than At I am. At 407, too, you'd almost want him to be... Um... Oh, that, that, top, yeah. Yeah, top that was that Sicily price 10. last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like those ones that you think he... I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Um, he, Like I said, he impressed me for what I've seen, but I'm with you. I'd probably rather go down to Brody Smith and bank 80 grand. Mm. Um, but, hey, we won't knock those teams that do select him because he might just be the best of the three. He definitely could be. Um, Jai Caldwell, what a game. Yeah, him and, and the other one, Haitley, both of them. Um, oh, Jackson, Jackson Haitley is, he was one of the most, last year I went pretty hard on Higgins being one of the most underrated players in the draft. Yeah. Looking at Jackson Haitley right there. And I'll tell you the beauty, I mean, Caldwell had 14 and two goals, scored 78, and Haitley had 16 and kicked one goal and scored 101. Um, Caldwell played 62% and Haitley played 66. So... Haley's priced at 148. He's kind of right around that butter's price. Could be either or for me at this stage. Um, Caldwell's probably a little bit too priced, but I mean, sorry, too highly priced. But uh, he certainly was able to kind of yeah put a good number out there and, and have a good display. Tim Taranto is one that really interests me. Um, he's. It'll be interesting to see what happens when a full side comes back. When yep. when they did lose Shield, I said that he'd be the one that would go in there. Last year, me and Bretta in a keeper league both tried mm-hmm. so hard to trade for Tim Taranto, and mm-hmm. Brett gave up the farm to have him yeah. as a part of a deal. Yep. Um, and I think he's going to reap the rewards. 
Tim Taranto is one of those players that would not surprise me if he went to the next level and was one of the Smokies to finish as a top 10. Yeah, no, I agreed. Like a super Smokie. Yeah. I, I, I don't diss anything you're saying. If he was a forward, I'd be selecting him 100%, that's yeah, for sure. me too. Um, but we don't have that luxury like we did last year. But Could you find yourself yeah. picking him this year? No. Nah. No, nah, me neither. Nah. Only because, you know, we've got Libra and we've got Miles. And at 481, there. if he does break into the top six, it's probably not that much more to go pick. No. What if you could get him at 550, yeah. I'm sure, 600 max. Yeah. It's not like he's 300. One of those players that when you would have seen him on the weekend and they called his name and you looked at him, you're like, shit, he's put on some size. Yeah. And only his third year, too. Yeah. He's a big boy. Mm. Uh, no one else. Well, Toby Green, hopefully, we might get a look at him next week. I think he's going to do the Supercoach community a favour if he doesn't line up. I hope he does. Well, just so teams pick him and we kind of just fly past him. Hey, you know what's disappointing? No money. They didn't name money in the team. Who? The, the Fornox. Oh, I thought you said money. No, um, money. Yeah, Fornox. well, I wouldn't name him after he's... He'll probably smack the whole city side out. So what, he's just not going to get any game fitness prior oh, to round imagine. three? So he's played the pracky match against Sydney and he smacked Hewitt in the face. Yeah, If he you got were off. Sydney, what would, <laughs> what would you be doing? You'd he be going off. up to him and you'd be getting in his ear like you would not imagine. I'll tell you now, he, look, I think I'm all, all off the Fornox train, to be honest. But um, look, it was, it was nice kind of while it lasted. But, uh, he'll play, he'll I, play next week. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah, he'll play. He'll play the final JLT. Well, he better because if he doesn't, then there's no way he nah, can take you, that risk and start him. Hundred percent agree. You could yep. not pick him without him playing a um JLT game. A JLT game, and I think he will play. Well, imagine if he comes out and drops like one ten. And then Zach Clark's named round one. Yeah, and all of a sudden Gorm's doing nothing, and Bruce is lighting up, lighting it up, and oh. It's just disgusting to think about, like what it could do. Uh, all right, hey, we got to, hey, let's we got some questions that the community's come out. I know this podcast has gone for a long time. Oh well, yeah, if we've got time. Right yeah, they've lasted this long; they won't mind sticking around. That's it. Um, Michael K, he's a big fan of the show, and shout out to Michael K because he's one of those members of the community that are uh, always every single week will hop on our podcast post and give us mm-hmm. the thanks. Um, and Actually, got. Is that the kangaroo background? Yeah, it bit? is, it is. And, uh, no. yeah, <laughs> really appreciate the bloke too. So he posted in a, in his own little podcast discussion um, on the forums. Elitist loving the potty. Steel St. Kilda, Hunter from Doggies and Pendles. Thoughts? I'm bullish. Thank you. And he said regards to Bretta Bons, but don't let him know. I think he's just been nice. Um, name him again, Pendles, Hunter and who? Uh, just clicked out of it, so thank you very much. Was it Steel? Steel. Um, I'd actually pick Hunter at one, to be honest. Pendles and then Steel, I think. Um, I'd definitely be uh, Pendlebury. That's interesting. Because Hunter knows how to rack up that ball. Yeah, but Hunter's just going to run up and down a wing and have uncontested possessions and be a little pussy. (laughs) Um, And I think Jack Steele would have a two for me. I'm I'm pretty optimistic with Jack Steele. Mm. I think St. Hilda's going to be... I said this on their potty, too. Remember you had a little bit of a giggle at me? I think they're going to be all right this year. That often happens. I do mm. tend to have little giggles at you. Yeah, well, when the shit that comes out of my mouth, it's 
No surprise at all. Um, okay, jump across to the questions. Uh, yep, cool. Roy, Brad Crouch, Miles, or Libba at M5? you got to pick one. At M5? Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's the kind of position I have. Look, I'll say this. If you're only having one of them in your team, it's Brad Crouch. If you're running two of them, then I think it's Miles and Libba. Yeah, I don't mind that. I really don't actually mind that. Um, I just want to say something, and I know we'll say it tomorrow. Miles attended 20 centre bounces, so don't worry too much. In half his game yeah, time, in yeah. half the game time, yeah, whatever. Um, Libba was super impressive. Fitness yeah. started to die off a little, a little towards the end, but you know he's going to live in that guts. Yeah, but you yeah, know what? He had a dead first quarter too. He had a what? He had a dead first quarter too. Yeah. He's done nothing. And then just come back a lot. That second quarter was amazing. When you have 13 disposals or something. Um, he scared the shit. Dunkley, like when my height was going through Dunkley, Libba's shot that in the ass at the moment. I have to wait and see everything with Dunkley. Uh, Matt, rate Williams, Hawley, Newman, Smith and Roberton. And how many could you feasibly start with? So Williams, Hawley, Newman, Smith and Roberton. Hawley's last. Yep. Um... If we're going by, do you want me to determine this by average or by um, value? I think you have to do both, take both into account. Take both into account. Yeah. Okay, well, um, I would say um, Robertson, Smith, Williams, Newman, Hawley. I'm the exact same. Uh, based on Whitford's role in JLT1, does Bombs want to retract his statement about him being the number one defender? What did I say in JLT1? I missed that. Uh, so based on Whitfield's role in JLT1, well, do you want to retract your statement about him being the number one defender? No. Why the hell would I do that? And yeah. I, I'm backing you here. I don't want. I don't want you to do that. That mm. that game, like I said, that game he was sitting in second gear the other day when he dropped 92 Supercoach points, and I think <laughs> we were pretty optimistic about him running up a wing as well. I've got no flipping worries about anything Lockie Whitfield does, especially goes- in JLT. He'll keep playing a Ford pocket and every 142. I wouldn't worry about it. Honestly, if I called him a number one defender, just listen. <laughs> uh, and again, the last part of this question, Caleb Daniel had a role change late last year where he moved to halfback slash back pocket role. Very similar in style to Rory Laird. Since the move, he scored four out of five hundreds, including JLT, small breakout chance. Well, Bob's... I messaged in the inbox the other day, in the Elite's inbox, that I wanted to start with Caleb Daniel this year. At Did you? Did I yeah, miss that? You might not have been thinking I was talking about it. Uh, Will was doing the old, do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Um, Is I, it just like Jack Stephen? Jack yeah. Stephen? <laughs> I am huge on Caleb Daniel. The one thing that worries me is when JJ comes back, but he took kickouts the other day. He'd done exactly what we spoke about at the end. You know, last year I spoke about um, Dunkley. You brought up Caleb Daniel as I could did. be that smoky on the way home because of the role change. Yep. That role change was so impressive. He's about 50k over right now of what I would want him to be at. Um, but, oh man, he could he could be good. He's so good off that halfback flank. Oh, like off that halfback flank back pocket. Man, I, I don't hate it. I personally might be doing it. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you just sort of touched on, back end last year, I did everything I could to encourage people to kind of select him. And he comes out JLT1 and, and kind of did that. But I almost feel that the 
there was just a lot of ball for the Dogs midfielders and halfbackers and all that sort of stuff, and that may not necessarily reflect the season proper. Um, so give JLT to a watch before we uh, kind of come to any conclusive decision on that one, I think. I think you're safer if I'm going to come back and sit on the fence again. I think you're safer waiting and paying an extra 100 k for it. Yeah. Once sure, JJ's no. back as well. Feels good to be back on the fence. <laughs> uh, Shano83, he's interested in Pendles. What do you think he's going to average, Bonds? Oh, flat 100. Oh, I wouldn't be doing it. Uh, I think 105. Uh, and again, Whitfield's still going nowhere from my side. Wow, that's great. Uh, same with Dunkley at the moment, so that was just a statement. Interesting, because uh, I will speak about Dunkley tomorrow. It's all good. Uh, bring it up quickly while we're on it. Well, I mean, Dunkley, there was an article that kind of just got released tonight saying that he spent the preseason bulking up so he could play, I guess, a little bit more as a kind of a key forward and uh, just allow kind of, you know, that sort of change through midfield and forward line, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, following the Bulldogs podcast last week, a bit curious to what the, say, uh, what the big Bev has to say about this tomorrow, but um, I'm probably uh, just jumping off the Dunkley train right now. Yeah, I'm off it, but I cannot wait to talk to the, about the doggies with Bev, especially around Caleb Daniel as well. Mm. Um, Frogger's asked, he's bought up all the mid-price defenders' names. Can you legitimately start? Is it is it viable, and can you start look at starting a defensive line with no players above 450k? You know, it's it's funny because I changed my team the other day just to see what the hell it would look I've like. One too. And I think I had um, Witherden, Mills... Um, what's his name? Uh, Williams, Nick Newman, Brody Smith, and Robertson as, as as kind of just six defenders. There's value. There's certainly value, but only one or two of them uh, are going to really kind of pay you off. And if you make the right decisions, then you're well on your way to 50k. Yeah. Uh, Frogger's second half of the question is: Walsh and Sam Collins must have rookies to spot elevated starting price. Examples, Collins with Darcy Moore, only 50k more expensive and potential to combine with Burgess defensive forward in the first half of the swing. So this gentleman is asking, is it more valuable to chuck in an extra 50k and go to someone like Darcy Moore so he can have the swing in there? Don't be foolish. And I agree with that statement. Don't you do not... Okay, I'm going to say something right now. I've seen a lot of teams that have tried to set up for those swings... And every time I look at those teams, they look a lot more uglier than the teams that don't. <laughs> Darcy Moore. I mean, is he saying this because he took a few kicking? I mean, we'll speak no, about I think he's saying this because then he just can the have pure swing the factor. Swing, yeah. No, don't yeah. worry about this. And man. same, especially like imagine if like I.e. Walsh went out and started dominating, and you didn't pick him because you wanted the swing factor. Darcy Moore could come out and average forty-five. This like, I'm not. I'm not going to start Walsh this year because ranking is 20000 cheaper and uh, he's forward eligible, forward mid. Mm. No, don't be stupid. You can't think like that. No, that's right. Um, another part of the question, any possible reason to not lock in after... Oh, my God, can I talk? Jesus Christ. Any possible reason to not lock in Oliver after the extremely strong first showing? You don't not have Oliver. And I think we reviewed this not that long ago, me and you, Corey. Um, but we just had a look, and I, I think I said something to you like, oh, I don't think Oliver's averaged more than 110 in, in yes. two seasons. He's played three seasons of football, 
and the last two of them have been over 110. I think one of them was 111, the other one 114. Um, I just think it's almost supercoach uh, suicide in a way if you're sort of chasing that 50K to not start a bloke who's going to average you kind of around that 115 and play 22 games. He's in my team. He's in my team, and I constantly change between him and Fife, but right now, after what I said in the weekend, don't think there's any way I could change back. And you can't, because he'll play 22 and Fife yeah. won't. Uh, the other statement, uh, Gary Lyon, saying that he thinks, he asks, do you think Oliver could be the most complete midfielder or the best midfielder um, in the competition uh, ever for that Melbourne team? I don't know about ever, but I don't know if a player has had a better first three years of football than he crazy. I mean, people don't appreciate how young he is, I don't think. I mean, when the, the bloke in his second year of football averaged 111 and 30 touches. In his third year of football, he averaged 29.8 touches and 114 super coach points. He, I don't know if he's complete because he doesn't hit the scoreboard enough and he's not necessarily brilliant overhead and, and kind of doesn't have that jump about him um, and his ability to kind of take like a contested mark like a Crips or a Bont or a Fife can do and the dangers but he does everything else and it is very very hard to be the complete player because there are so many flipping skills you need to play AFL football that you know what if he's missing one out of a hundred skills then he's a pretty bloody good player the, yeah, it's, it's, he's actually incredible he's so good he's yeah. I don't, you got to take your hat off to Melbourne because when they drafted him, they you know they were notoriously known for bad draft selections. Yeah. And then they took with I think it was pick five. Pick four. Yeah. Pick four. This the draft bolter. It yeah, wasn't even right. in anyone's top ten. That's and right. they've gone and drafted this you know chubby little redhead kid <laughs> who has just come to the club and oh man talk about professionalism. He's... I love the bloke. Good guy. Oh. Uh, Stephen Beaumont, how many mid price is too many? Oh, we've already answered that. How many is too many for your whole team? Um, given the value of defence, I, I think you shouldn't have more than four. In the whole team? Four is at the absolute maximum, yeah. Yeah, I'm very similar. I'm very similar. I think four, and I think if you go into five, you're really stretching it. Yeah, you are. And it's funny, because I like four down defence and back too. I'm kind of uh, going defensive, well, defensive midfield. midfield. Sorry, I'm going two defence, two midfield at this stage. I've got right now too. Our teams are probably the same again. Well, I mean, there's probably, a, well, actually we're a fair chance. Um, Matt, on the other, <laughs> on the other side of things, from a purely league wins perspective, perspective, I love this question, is it risky with a pure cookie cutter guns and rookies approach, knowing that early on, you'll like, you'll on, early on, you'll likely have 13 non-players versus, let me start again. No, that early on, yeah, you'll yeah. likely have 13 non-rookie players versus 14 to 16 non-rookie players. Genuinely worried about early season wins and missing out on finals. Bumps, in the last three seasons, <laughs> how many times do you reckon I've, you know, started the season like 0-4 or 0-5? Every single one. Yeah, but I do come home like a house on fire except that one year that I got relegated. Um, last, year, <laughs> last year, I was 0-5. And made the grand final. Um, because if you can get it right, 
in the back end of the year, the teams that have started with too many mid-prices and have tried to pick too many pods and make too many risks, you wipe their ass in the back end of finals. You can't do that so much if you're playing for league. Um, oh, sorry, if you're playing for overall, because you do miss out on a lot of points early in the year, which is what I normally do. This year, I've been tempted by more mid-prices than I ever have before, though. Yeah, oh. I think I have to, and I think you're right in certainly... I think you need to at least start two mid-prices. Um, yeah. And, look, you know what? If other teams run four or five, that's fine because they all won't pop off in the same week. And the rookies, particularly the ones we got kind of got through the mids and, and defence, I think, um, they'll probably outscore or kind of equalise a couple of them anyway. Well, that's the funny thing that I wanted to talk about. We're talking about all these values in the mid... There is so much early talking, especially after what we've seen in the first round of JRT, about this being the super draft, the best draft we've ever seen probably since that, what, 2003 Chris Judd one. Now, pardon? 2001. 2001, sorry. Um, 2003, was that the... I don't know who was 2003. Uh, 01, I think, was Ball, Judd, um, and Hodge. Hodge, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, But the... Yeah, what if this is? And what if we get this... abundance of rookies come through and you've got them all clogged on your bench because you've decided to go six you, you know. probably couldn't afford to do that though Pardon? i mean because you might be able to pick players like a sam collins or a you know a jordan clark and these kind of players who the other guys they might not be able to afford because they don't have that yeah 40 which is what i'm talking eight. about so imagine yeah. you've missed them because you've clogged your team with five mid-priced defenders and they're all scoring the same yep they're all is scoring it? the same and yeah. earning a lot more money yeah, and then, trust me, come round 10, you're you're done. You're that far behind the eight ball. But it could work either way. I just think don't buy too much into it. Get your team up and, and you'll see where it goes there. Last question. Uh, Sammy Gates, thoughts on Aaron Francis? I've spoken to Essendon supporters. Sammy's a Geelong supporter. And they believe he'll be the intercept player for Essendon this year. Even with Hooker being out for eight weeks at 350k, do you think he's a potential to average 90-plus this season? In his last few games in 2018, he scored in the 90s and 100 once or twice from memory. Surprised not how many people are not considering him. The problem, and I'll tell you the problem with that question, was he said he started asking Essendon supporters. I'll tell you now, half my family barracks for Essendon and I'm yet to meet a smart Essendon supporter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair income. Um no, don't start out. The risk is far too great. We spoke about it earlier when we spoke about Essendon. I don't think we need to recover it. You've got so many options around that price that I don't think Aaron Francis is viable yet. Like I said, I think there'll be a stage where he becomes super relevant. I don't think it is early half of this year. Um, but even so, you get it wrong, you trade him. You bring him in. It's so much easier to bring in a player after they start firing than missing a player and being that far behind their airball. You don't pick Aaron Francis. The 1% of the community who do are ahead of you. That's fine. You do pick Aaron Francis and he starts scoring 50s. You're behind 99% of the community that went, i.e. Brody Smith, who dropped 95 week one. It just has so much... It's got so much disaster written on it. I think if you're playing the percentage, you're more likely to fail with a pick like that than you are to succeed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Depends how you want to play Supercoach though. If you're here just for a bit of fun and you, you'd love taking those risks, I think there's worse risks out there. If you don't like the cookie cutter team. <laughs> That's right. All right, beautiful. Uh, anything else? 
I just want to say something too. I just want to give a big shout out to um, our backroom admin staff, Bombs, because a lot of time it's very easy for you and me to sit up on this podcast. I mean, not easy all the time. I wouldn't call it easy. Late at night. (laughs) Uh, We're still doing this. But look, you know, clearly we're the face of the podcast and there's a lot of people who... You know, want to be in a league with us or, or tweet in and think it's just me and you. But there is a, a large admin team um, behind closed doors that do a lot and bring a lot of content to the community um, who quite often are on posting social things on social media, um, you know, making sure things are up to date, replying to inboxes late at night. Um, and yeah, spreadsheets, yeah, uh, updating in, internet stuff and making those beautiful pictures with yeah. the Supercoach logos in the background. Making and... sure the website's operating and up and running. And um, without the back-end staff, we wouldn't be where we are today too. Um, and on the other note, community, without you, we wouldn't be where we are today. We thoroughly, and I know, I know I can speak for you on this one, Bonce, we thoroughly enjoy doing this podcast. We love it. We love your feedback. And we love how positive our Elitist community is as well too. So we, by far and large, have the best community out there. Um, and I think we're quite blessed here down at the Elites too. So... And- I, I must say this, um, my enjoyment in doing this podcast has significantly increased since Brett's <laughs> uh, It has. Hey, tell me I'm wrong. Well, I can't tell you wrong because that's your enjoyment. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, I guess Bonks is right again now. We're used to that, aren't we? Yeah, it's done. All right, Alitas, peace out. Thank you for listening to this almost two-hour-long... And the Bev show tomorrow, Corey. <laughs> JLT1. We're back tomorrow with Bev... From the Bev Show. Oh, it's going to be so good. Doing the second half of JLT round one and the Western Bulldogs too. So, again, peace out, community. Thanks for listening.